Hej, og velkommen til min podcast, Porsche Hjertet, afsnit nummer 33. Og øh, ja, det afsnit 33 bliver også øh, et noget specielt afsnit, må jeg, må jeg nok tilstå. Jeg har, øh, jeg har snakket om det her afsnit før. Jeg har jo, øh, ja, jeg har haft, øh, jeg lyttede til Spikes Car Radio i, øh, ja, i noget tid. Øh, der er vildt mange afsnit, og jeg har lyttet øh, alle, alle igennem, og særligt dem, øh, hvor, øh, ja, Earth, Wind and Fire er samlet, som er den forrygende samlede betegnelse for for, ja, for castet, når både Seinfeld Spike og Paul Zuckerman, de er samlet og det er bare noget af den, altså jeg synes det er noget af den bedste noget af den bedste, noget af den bedste måde at og lytte til Porsche på, det er altså når Seinfeld øh, og Spike og så kan man de, de bare sidder og freestyler og svarer på spørgsmål og fortæller om øh, de der helt sindssyge biler de har, men også, også bare glæden ved at køre i en 356 s eller køre i en helt almindelig G-model øh, der er ikke nogen fine fornemmelser ved, især ikke ved Jerry Seinfeld han øh, han er for mig en af de allerstørste ambassadører øh, for, for Porsche, og han, øh, som Spike også fortæller, så er han jo meget, meget... Øh, jamen, han kan få alt til at ske nede i det firma. Han er, han er close connected til alle designerne, og... Ja, det, det er noget helt særligt, og jeg, var, jeg har været det helt op og... Helt op og køre over, at Spike han ville være med til at... Øh, Ja, bare snak med den her mig og den her ligegyldige podcast øh, for, for ham, men, men øh, ja, og, og det blev selvfølgelig helt fantastisk. Jeg, jeg nød simpelthen hver sekund. Jeg, jeg synes, at han er, han er mega sød, og øh, han er sjov. Og en, en mand, der har skrevet for Letterman, han har skrevet en episode i The, i The Simpsons, han har skrevet The Um, Supernat til afsnittet blandt mange andre til Seinfeld så altså ja, um, yeah, jeg har sgu ikke rigtig så jeg kan, jeg kan ikke helt finde ord, for jeg, jeg er stadigvæk lidt uh, glad over at lige at sidde og genhøre noget af det, for jeg, jeg håber at uh, håber jeg kan tjekke ind med Spike igen ved en senere lejlighed um, og så ja, uh, yeah, så kunne det være Jerry en dag også glad at være med, man ved det sgu aldrig vel nå, um, 75 års øh, afsnittet sidste uge, det skal jeg lige øh, beklage, øh, da jeg får det sendt ud og lytter til det næste morgen. Så på en eller anden måde glemt at slette et af de spor, der ligger, når jeg er nedenunder øh, i editeringen, så man kan jo altså i introen høre, der kører et andet spor og forstyrre det hele lidt. Jeg synes godt, man kan, man kan holde, hvis man koncentrerer sig, kan man holde hovedfokus, fordi hovedstemmen, hovedfortællingen i introen, den, den tror jeg alligevel er volumenmæssigt noget højere, men ja... Det er derude, der sidder og tænker, at den gut der, han er den mest lallende amatør, vi kender. Så må jeg bare give jer fuldstændig ret. Mange af de her afsnit kommer, dem sidder og redigerer sen aften øh, i en travl hverdag. Øh, nogle gange når jeg simpelthen ikke at lytte det igennem, øh, inden jeg bare øh, ja, brænder det ned på CD, han har sagt. Men jeg, jeg øh, bouncer det, som det hedder, ud som mp3 den samme kvalitet, og uploader det, og går så som oftest i, i seng. Øh, så det er en, øh, en amatør-podcast, og det, 
det har jeg heller aldrig lagt skjul på, og jeg, og, og jeg laver bare en disclaimer på det her, fordi jeg ved, at der er nogle af jer, der er vant til at lytte podcast fra ja, Breinholt Studios og alle de andre. De er pisse gode, de, de er rigtig, rigtig dygtige, og det gælder også øh, øh, den her podcast. Øh, rigtig gode ven, René Mammen og hans øh, produktion og Inver Haring Kars, det er nogle pisse dygtige folk, der sidder fedt med det, og... Øh, og de sender aldrig noget ud, der ikke er gennemarbejdet. Og der må jeg bare lægge mig flat ned og sige, at... Øhm, ja. Jeg, jeg scruffer den. Det må jeg sige. Og jeg tænker, hvis du lytter med alligevel, så er det jo fordi, at du tænker, at indholdet er det vigtigste. Og der er måske nogle gode historier og gode fortællinger. Og så kan jeg jo sige, at jeg har en lille halvaftale med min dejlige ven. Og faktisk også min chef, Claus Lovring som lige nu øh, kører Rosé ned over på folkemødet. Øh, men vi har lige, øh, vi har lige øh, snakket lidt i starten af ugen, om vi ikke skal høre lidt, hvordan det går. Han har jo været ude at køre i sin... Øh, han har jo haft sin, sin S-serie på plade i noget, noget tid nu. Øh, vi kørte en fantastisk dejlig tur rundt omkring Knudsø her nede ved Silkeborg for i forrige uge. Fik en lille is. Fik, øh, jeg fik luftet min gamle 1977-928'er som ved Gud grød trængte til det to af mine yndlingsmennesker i den her verden, mine, mine unge garagekammerater Christian og Mathias og Jesper Dam ham selv, har alle sammen været i gang med at genopleve min, min, ja, min 28, den har, den har drillet, den har to benzinpumper, den er født til Schweiz. Det er nummer 183, en af de første 200 pre-production Porsche 28, designet af Hans Lapins far, Tony Lapin, en, øh, et mesterstykke, som, øh, som jeg egentlig først fik, rigtig fik øjnene op for, øh, da, min, øh, da min fine bilven Ole Vade, han købte sådan en bil, jeg var med hente den for nogle år siden, og han viste øh, vejen øh, ud i, hvad, 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 hvad den bil kan. Det er øh, et fenomenalt stykke øh, overingeniert øh, ja, bil, og øh, den, jeg ved, den er undervurderet, den er ikke særlig attraktiv for samler og alt muligt andet, men, øh, men jeg synes, den er jeg, jeg elsker at køre i den. Min er ved Gud grød ikke noget pænt eksempel. Den, har, den, 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 er, den er træt, men, øh, men den kører sådan set skide godt. Øh, ja. den, den har fået lidt liv. Nu tabte jeg lige tråden. Jeg synes, jeg var ved at sige noget vigtigere. Nu sidder jeg jo en også bare jeg sidder bare i øvler. Men, øh, men, men hovedhistorien var, at øh, jeg håber, Claus øh, kan nå med i næste uge. Så sidder jeg lige nu også øh, bagefter mens der er landskamp, så skal jeg lige have, have klippet øh, og klistret en øh, Peter Iversen afsnit sammen og sendt det op til Peter, så han lige kan lytte det igennem og sige god for, at øh, vi, øh, vi drøner det ud. Og så er der lidt med, at der er nok noget strategi i at sende de her ting ud på det rigtige tidspunkt. Øh, Joachim Stenter lærte mig, at man skal lægge ting ud om mandagen. Det er åbenbart der, der er mest traction, som det hedder, hvis man skal have mange lytter. Jeg har opgivet alt det der på, for lang tid siden, øh, som, så jeg tænker, at hvis, hvis der er nogen, der gider at lytte til det her, så, så er de nok allerede på sporet. Øh, de 100 faste lytter, eller hvor mange der er. Og jeg øh, sætter stor pris på jer alle sammen. Øh, om der så var fem, så vil jeg stadigvæk blive ved med at lave det her, for jeg synes bare, at det er de fedeste snakke. Øh, ja, Porsche forever. Og jeg har også øh, prøvet at lokke Jesper Dam til at gå med ind i en lille snak om fælge. Han ved rigtig meget om fælge, øh, øh, fugsfælge og alle de andre. Øh. Men Jesper vil gerne lige læse mere op på det. Han synes ikke, han helt ved nok, øh, hvilket jeg egentlig er uenig i. Så har jeg også øh, lige rykket lidt i 
kommunikationschefen over ved Porsche, Katrine Blæ, som i, måske hvis I hørte Simulator Racing afsnit, så, så, så var Katrine også med ind over, og jeg, jeg har egentlig spurgt hende, om hun kunne tænke sig at være med, bare for at fortælle lidt om, hvad fanden laver man, når man er kommunikationschef for Porsche. Hun står blandt andet for jo at del, øh, sørge for at booke, eller, eller ikke booke, men sørge for at få øh, distribueret de her øh, berømte øh, pressebiler ud til... Øh, til alle de her fantastiske motor, motorjournalister, øh, skråstrej YouTuber, Christian Grav, øh, bilklubben drengene, øh, i øvrigt Richter og, 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 og NP, og hvad hedder han, øh, Breinholt, øh, ja, og, og Stenter og, og, og Lauke René og Nils i Harald Kars, og alle de andre motorjournalister derude, ingen nævnt, ingen glemt, der er millioner af dem, og de, jeg er kæmpe fan af dem alle sammen, det må bare sige, at jeg følger alt, hvad jeg kan, på YouTube og podcast, fordi jeg, jamen jeg synes fandme, de er fede alle sammen, det må jeg bare sige, at jeg er kæmpe fan. Øhm, ja, hørte øh, hørt Henrik øh, Drebold øh, snakke i en, øh, i, med, med Nils Becker i hans øh, podcast her for nylig også, det var fandme et fedt afsnit. Så har jeg lige fundet ud af i går, øh, faktisk via Spike, der, at, øh, at ham, der har Hudinki, han også er kæmpe Porsche-fan. Altså hvis man er til uger, og det er egentlig ikke sådan super meget. Jeg har lært lidt af Jesper Dam og følger lidt med, og, og også blevet hugt på mange af de der Omega-uger og Rolex. Og jeg synes, det er, igen, det er den samme historiefortælling. Det er det her fascination af mekanikken kombineret med historiefortælling, kombineret med purpose-built engineering, altså ting, der er lavet med et formål, ting som skal kunne fungere som en dykker, et dykkerur, som kan være livreddende, og som kan hjælpe med alle mulige ting, og tidstagning ved race, racing, på Newman, Daytona, og alt det der. Og derfor så har jeg lidt en, en halvvåd drøm om at prøve at kontakte Mr. Houdinki himself, og så høre om han kunne være med, tænke sig at være med til at snakke Porsche. Så det, det prøver jeg også lige at se, om jeg, kan, om jeg på en eller anden måde kan... Måske kan få Spike eller en eller anden til at hjælpe mig med at ja, tage en snak med ham. Og jeg freestyler bare videre. Øh, nu, nu, nu vil jeg simpelthen... Øh, nu vil jeg lige øh, lægge lidt musik ind. Bare lige for at give jer en idé om, hvad vi, skal, hvad vi i hvert fald også skal høre en lille smule om nu. Nemlig to eller tre af de største konger i Porsche-historien. I den, eller i, i bil bilhistorien de sidste 20-30 år. Øh, Spike Ferriston og det her. I can hear you. <laughs> okay, good. It's a long distance to Denmark. Well, you're 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 cutting out a little bit. Oh, uh... oh there you go. That's good. That's good. Here, let me just close my door because it's a little louder here. Um, 
All right, ready to go. Well, um, I, I'm actually recording now. And what what uh, what time are you leaving again? What what? How much time? Sixty sixty minutes. Um. Yeah, we can we can do uh, right up until then. Yeah, twelve fifteen. I think should is be enough time for me. Can't you just say uh, bye when you feel it's time to go, <laughs> or something like that? Okay. Well, yeah, I'll remind you. Oh, perfect. But because, um, well, I I just have a lot of questions. But but uh, but first of all, uh, Spike, thank you very much for um, for being on this little Danish uh, nerdy Porsche podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm very flattered. I'm very grateful. It's a well, it's a big day. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. A man who taught us Americans how to say Luftgekult. <laughs> That's you, Casper. So I'm, I'm happy to return the favor. <laughs> Do you feel it was a favor? Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my listeners on Spike's Car Radio have not stopped saying it your way. <laughs> they they love to go Luftgekurt. <laughs> oh my god! My uh, my wife is actually a German teacher, so uh, that's why uh, that's why she ah. she's spanking me to to pronounce it correctly. You know, <laughs> I was with uh, Patrick Long uh, a couple nights ago, who yes. has the Luftgekurt event. Oh, I know. Yeah, and we were watching this uh, doc series that we made about the history of Le Mans and Porsche, and it, it, it's on YouTube right now, and it's going on. It's called Racing with Giants. I've seen. And it. after watching the screening, my son said to me, "He goes, half the people in this documentary said the word Porsche wrong. They were saying Porsche." <laughs> so, what? You know, I know where I uh, what I think about that. It's a family name. It's Portia. Is is that <laughs> is it the same for you? Since you're our pronunciation expert, uh, I'm not an expert, but we are we are neighboring to Germany, so we do have German. Uh, we are taught German in in the elementary school, but uh, yeah, the uh, Portia. Portia, right? But uh, I think that Joey in French taught us to say it's Portia. In uh, in one of the Porsche. in one of the very 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 good uh, French uh, episodes where he was um, taking care of uh, of a Porsche that was standing down on the whatever avenue it was. I don't know if you've seen all the all the all the episodes, but it's Porsche. That's what he what he said. Um, Porsche. He was later like that. Uh, yeah, he was later the the top. Wasn't he a Top Gear, Joey? Uh, what's his name? Matt Matt uh, LeBlanc. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think it's up to the family to decide how they want their name pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they say is fine with me. But it, but I think it's it's very it's very cool. First of all, the the Luftgekühlt, you know that that uh, that's just uh, that's an event I would really love to go to. Uh, I, I I bought the you know the book he made from Luft Seven. Uh, I I remember. Yeah, ordering it, and uh, I've been looking into that, those pictures so many times. That that guy, that photographer, he's uh, he's hooking up with. He's he's just just the setting of these Porsches is just so. Uh, I also think you had your your your, your red car uh, one year. At the uh, eight ball was there one year. The Zagato, I think, was there one year. We've had a, a few cars there. Um, okay. But you know, these days we like to just drop in on shows, get in, get out. 
Um, but that that's an event that if you have a chance to see Luca Cool, you'll you'll absolutely die. It's 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 the cars, but it's also you meet all the other crazy Porsche fans. Yes. All of the people like you who yeah. lose sleep over car <laughs> pictures and cars and yeah. you know, it's it's one day a year where there's a bunch of like minded idiots around and you can really dig deep and get granular on this obsession we have with these cars. Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't the wasn't the Sunday this this time uh, uh, water cooled day? Wassergekühlt. Yeah, they they <laughs> added a second day. Yeah, oh, I mean the event liquid cooled. Right. <laughs> the 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 community is vibrant and they're desperate for things to do. And they added the second day. I bet they could have filled a third day. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just it seems like it's a never ending thing that the the Porsche community who's so passionate yeah. just wants something to do with these cars. Yeah. So um yeah, Pat Long and Jeff Sword have done an amazing job with it. Amazing job. Yeah, extremely just yeah, it's like a Magnus Walk and there are just some people who have a very very um I don't know, they have talent for for you know finding the right spots, putting the cars into You know, they made these little, um, I don't know what you call them, like like lock trees they put the cars up on. And there was a 917 a couple of years ago in, in this big, looks looked like some hall that they were normally cutting wood in or something that was just on this, you know, very simple but but spectacular setting. Just extremely amazing. But uh, yeah, you know, you've been there. Yeah, so they, they... I've just seen the pictures. Yeah, that's what... That's what they try to do. They have to, uh, they try to find locations that make for beautiful photography. And even when you're not taking pictures, just a beautiful way to display them in different ways that, you know, most car shows used to be, and and many still are, you know, they just line up the cars in the spots and everything's right up against each other here. You know, at Luca Colt, they try to take a car and put it on a museum-like display. Yeah. Separated from other things, hopefully with a, a, a foundational backdrop that really uh, highlights the design of the car. So when you see it, you go, wow. Yeah. You know, a, a, instead of just a row of the same cars lined up, yeah. which is less impressive. Yeah. They really give the car their moments. Yeah, it's just, wow. It, it, yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I, I hope to go there one day. And were, were you not supposed to... Uh, i think I think one of the one of the episodes you 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 you, do, you did this year with uh, with Jerry and um, and Mr. Zuckerman, you, I, didn't you didn't you talk about going there or was that was or was that Pebble or something? I can't remember. I just uh, we yeah we're doing Pebble Beach this year. We're doing a live show at the Pebble Beach Concours on the Saturday before the event, and I think the tickets are still maybe available for that. You gotta go quick because they will sell out. It's it's only like three hundred folks, and we did Luca Cool last uh, last year. We did a live show there, and we'll probably be back again when they're when they're in LA. It's you know it for us. It's a perfect place to meet up with the uh, you know the listeners of the show and our friends on Instagram who are all there. And uh, yeah, it really is a fun day. It's really fun. Good coffee. Good beer, you know. Good food, great cars, great people. I mean, you can't miss. It's no. so nice. Uh, it looks amazing. But um, but uh, I I actually, actually I I wanted to to start another place with with the with the first um, 
the first you know memory of Porsche. But I just have one question to put in between, and that is, I I have also been um, I've been hearing because you've saying uh, been saying a lot that you are you are very much into tennis. So I just have to ask you quickly: Are you a Roger Federer, uh, Djokovic, or Rafael Nadal guy? Wow, that's an excellent question. I'm very happy that we're having this conversation. It shows a real level of intelligence, your tennis intelligence, that you asked that question. But I can, can you I guess? Can, I can. I can, can you guess? Well, yes. I I I was in London uh, a couple of months ago saying goodbye to Roger Federer. Uh, I I bought the tickets with the with my cousin long before he went on <laughs> on on Instagram and said. Goodbye, and I've been I've been a massive fan since uh, Pete Sampras, uh, you know, sort of said goodbye and and Roger took over. So I would actually, for some reason, guess you are a, a Roger Federer guy. You are exactly right. Yeah, that is my number one. Yes. Well, who is my number? Who is my number two? Well, it can never be Djokovic because if you are if you are Team Roger, <laughs> you, you you don't like Djokovic, and and especially not after Sunday. Then you feel pain. <laughs> so you are, of course, a Rafa. You're exactly right. Go, yes. I'm a massive Rafa fan, but Federer takes it for me. Rafa, he, you know, the way he dances and jumps around in front of the other player before he plays is so intimidating that, that I like it. I'm entertained by it, but it, it plays like a tennis villain a little bit. Yeah. And Djokovic, who's just arguably, at least right now, the best tennis player on the planet, There's still, you know, I he lost me when he wouldn't get his vaccination for the Australia Open. He lost me there. Me too. You know, I just thought, I you know, <laughs> come on, you're you're a role model for kids, and things are hard in the world. This is the least you can do, and you know, that's where he lost me. That yeah. said, I watched him at the French Open play, and it was a pleasure watching him play. It's funny. I was just thinking about it this morning. It's like I. I still like watching this guy play, and I kind of don't like him, and I wonder why that is. Everybody I talk to says I like he's an amazing player, but I don't like him. And I, I can't see of any other evidence. Like, why I wouldn't like the guy? He looks perfectly nice. <laughs> yes, but I think it it all it all goes back to to the beginning when when uh, when especially the 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 whole uh, Djokovic family were so intimidating uh, towards the the Roger Federer's family. There was so much. Uh, There was so much going on. His his you know lack of self. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's just I just had I just had yeah. to ask because um, I'm I'm hoping to go to the French uh, next year to see Rafa one last time. Uh, I've never seen him yeah. except for Labor Cup, which was amazing. But yeah. he, he only It, played that double, but that was just wow. There was like yeah. 15. No, uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. It's fantastic. Well, I, there's no better. I love watching watching tennis on TV in the summertime. It's so relaxing. It's faster than, uh, yeah. say, a baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> you just check in with it. Yeah. And then I love to play. It's keeping me alive. I believe tennis will will keep me alive well into my hundreds um, <laughs> just because of the fitness aspect of it. And I get to play right now. My kids are still in the house, so I get to play with my son, who's a tennis player, and we play – Uh, we're playing five nights a week, and there's nothing better than that than watching this kid develop into a player and, yes. you know, getting tacos after tennis. It's just, it's amazing. It's an amazing sport for families. What, one-handed or two-handed backhand? 
Oh, another great question. <laughs> this is a fantastic interview, Casper. I love that we're getting into this. I am, as you probably would have guessed, a classic. I like classic things, yes. classic cars, classic design, and I have a classic one-handed backhand. Yeah, cool backhand. A lot of a lot of a lot of air around your yes. Well, I thought so. Yeah, I, I want to hit the way they did in the old days, Rod Laver and everybody else. So, <laughs> but you, were you also a massive uh, Pete Sampras fan, or, or was she too? Uh... I don't know. So I, I you know, there was also a lot of people tennis, finding him too boring. Yeah, I I have to say, tennis really wasn't on my radar until a couple of years ago. I I came really late to the game, ah, and yeah, I okay. in my first year, I was a baseball player growing up, and I ditched tennis when I was fourteen, and everything I had learned isn't relevant today. <laughs> and you know, when my my son got into it. He he needed somebody to hit with, and I jumped in, and they my wife bought me a lesson for my birthday, oh. and I've been gone ever since. But I'm only about a year and a half in. Wow! But I am uh, I am dedicating a lot of time to studying tennis and getting up to speed quickly. And yeah. the first year I played, I didn't even watch it. I didn't understand why people would watch tennis. I didn't get. No. The, the and now I watch it and I'm like, oh, I can play as good as that guy. And then I go to the court and I really suck. And so I'm trying to reconcile the people I see, the pros playing, and my game. But what I have found is I'm having fun every time I'm on the court. And it's you know it's one hour. It's not golf. No, no. Golf is your whole day. And yeah. one bad shot, you're done. <laughs> Tennis. You have a, you make a bad shot, amnesia. You forget about it, and you're done in an hour. And it's it's just a perfect amount of fun and exercise. And and in Southern California, we're playing year round. And uh, I can tell you, look, I'll tell you this, Casper. I just came back from my doctor for my yearly physical, and he said, "What the hell's going on? You're you're, you're fantastic shape." <laughs> and I said, "Tennis, tennis, tennis." The keyword. Blood pressure. Yes. Super low heart rate went down. It all everything went down. It was crazy. Yes. Well, and it's all from just chasing balls on the tennis court. Do, do you have your you have your own uh, tennis court at your estate? No, 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 of course not. No, no, no. Of we course. we play uh, L.A. parks. L.A. public parks have great courts. Ah. We're not uh, we're not a country club fa uh, family. We like uh, public courts. <laughs> We like public schools. We like uh, regular guy stuff. You're good Democrats. <laughs> yes, I don't know about that. I wouldn't use the word good either, but we are uh, people. We we like to be normal folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. I understand. Well, oh, amazing. I and I am. Well, we are. We are. You are here to 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 talk Porsche, of course. So uh, sorry for. Well sidestepping towards tennis i just had to ask because uh, you you have been mentioning your, you know tennis a lot on your excellent podcast or yeah podcast um thank you actually the first you know you are you are i think uh, guest number 33 or something I, this is a very young podcast but i always ask my guests do, do you remember the first time you became aware of Of Porsche, uh, the first memory, the first time it, you know, sort of uh, entered your your brain, and you just remember this episode. Or... Yeah, the you know my entry point for the brand, 
you know, I came from a small town in Massachusetts that didn't have cars like that, right? We just had American muscle cars and American passenger cars. And you just didn't buy imported cars. And the folks from my town couldn't afford them anyways. So where I saw Porsche first was in movies. Yeah. In movies like Caddyshack, uh, the Chevy Chase comedy. Yeah. Where the, the, the jerks always drove 911s. <laughs> and that's where I formed all of my opinions about these cars. You know, when, when, when the kid throws up through the sunroof, I'm like, good. Exactly. I'm glad they puked in that thing. Now I cringe and I go, oh my God, can't believe they actually did that bit and ruined a, uh, a Porsche. So my entry point was very negative about the brand until I bumped into and worked for David Letterman, yeah. who was really the guy who said everything you think and that you're judging this brand for is wrong. <laughs> He goes, I'm watching what you're driving now, and it's not you. And he, he said, this is this is the car you're going to and the brand you're really going to love. And he let me drive his cars. He let me drive a 911, an 80s G-Body, yeah. uh, a 1979-14-6, and a, and, a, and a 1964 356B okay. on, on a day in 1991 on a Saturday out in L.A. And he was exactly right. And, and I said, boy, I didn't know what I was talking about. I had no idea that this was a focused driving experience, yeah. almost like a go-kart yeah. with nothing extra on it. These cars don't have power steering or power brakes mm. and how engaged as a driver I am yeah. and how everything I thought I knew about this brand is wrong. And this is the car for me. And, and it was really from that moment that I started to lose it. And I went, I, I, I had a, at the time a Maserati by turbo horrible car that I had bought from a, a, a horrible dealer in Georgia that never worked right. Yeah. I sent the car back to them. They had a sepia Brown 74, with 200,000 miles on it that didn't work. And I said, just send me that car. <laughs> I remember it was being advertised for $6,000. If I were to put a fair value on it at that moment, it would have been worth $600. <laughs> it was a disaster. It was a mess. But I got it running, and I was in love with it. Absolute love with it. It was my New York City uh, uh, driving car. We take it out to Long Island on the weekends. We drive it downtown. We throw our friends in it. Yeah, I, I brought that car out to L.A., and that was the car uh, that I drove to work yeah. for Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> and he saw it and said, whose car is this? The new writer? What's his name? And that became the basis of our friendship um, outside of the show, was this shared love of these stupid cars. Was that the uh, great idea, wrong car comment or something like that? Right idea, wrong car yeah, or something? Yeah, that's like that. when he said this is the right... <laughs> Uh, right car model, wrong example. <laughs> I think that's, that's very funny. You you really need to get a new one. <laughs> and then walk away. Easy and for I, him to see. And I had just... <laughs> what's that? I said, e easy for him to see. Get a new car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I, what, you're my boss. Are you telling me to work here? I got to get a new car. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. No. And uh, 
so uh, uh, weirdly, that show was doing okay, and suddenly I started making a little money, and I was a little ahead. And uh, yeah, what did I get? Oh, it was the Boxster. That was the one. So, so the Boxster was introduced when I was working on David Letterman, and it was my goal in life to buy my first new car ever. I never had a new new car. Mm. Will be the Boxster. And when I got to Seinfeld, and you know, I didn't have a family, I didn't have much overhead, I was just making money and working all the time. I never really left the office. No. I suddenly had money for a new car, and Jerry hooked it up, and we we got Boxsters, and that was my uh, my first new car. We picked them up on the same day and drove them back from Long Beach on a sunny day in the spring. And it was, uh, they were the first cars delivered to California. And it was one of the greatest drives I've ever had. People could not, people didn't know how to process the Boxster. No, no, we stopped and they were, they were saying, which is the front, which is the back. (laughs) They had no clue what they were looking at. Right. It, It was really fun. And now you look at that car and it looks so primitive and so so slow but for us it was such a leap forward in excitement you know yeah really an amazing moment yeah did you order it in in the in the same colors as the as the the, the one they they presented at the detroit uh, motor show was uh, silver with the red uh, interior or what what how did you spec it so there were three writers on three of us on the show that decided to get them jerry who was a little ahead of us on specking out cars. He got that livery, I think. Silver with red. Yeah. Yeah. I did silver with black. I was the very beginning of my color palette desires, so I did not want to veer from silver or black. I didn't understand people that had colorful car colors at that time. And there was a color called Ocean Blue Metallic that Alec Baldwin, who's the, uh, he's now the showrunner on a show called Barry, He was trying to decide between silver black and uh, blue black, and I kept lying to him to say why blue is a better color just so he wouldn't have the same car as me. <laughs> so he eventually got the ocean blue metallic one, and we had those cars together, uh, and they were all in the parking lot. It was fantastic. You know, It must have looked obnoxious to the rest of the folks on the lot, but for us, it was so great. You, you mean Alec, Alec Baldwin was a writer on Seinfeld? No, Alec Berg. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Did I say Alec Baldwin? Because I, I I I understand now. Because Alec Baldwin is, you know, the the yeah yeah. That's is, just uh, my old brain misfiring. Okay. Alec Berg. Alec Berg. No, but it did make sense because I I've seen uh, Alec uh, Baldwin on on uh, Jerry's uh, comedians in cars, but yeah, uh, that's right. So that's why. But I, no, I don't think he's <laughs> I think he's part of the deal. He doesn't have those kind of jokes in him. I think. Uh, well, no, okay. no. Okay, so so you actually bought your first new Porsche together with with Jerry and 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 another writer. And and do you remember for how long uh, you kept you kept this amazing car? Um, for for a while, I think until the Boxster S came out, and then I bought a Boxster S. Uh, you know, there were, there were a couple of moves where you just can't you couldn't tell at the time whether these cars would be classic or not. Mm. So, uh, you know, my two regrets from that little period were upgrading to the Boxster S from the original first year Boxster. I should have kept that car. 
but the box that the boxer had an S after it and I got caught up in that. So I traded one car in for the next. Yeah. Um, and then my, I had a 98 C2S in Dunkelblau yeah. with paint to sample from Dr. Vedekin. It had approved it. Whoa. There was some paperwork that came with it. And at the time there were not many paint to sample 993. So it was rare. But I just thought after three years, it's time to get rid of the car and get the next new thing. And, you know, uh, those those two I think about. I really would love to have kept those cars because it was such a special time in my life and in my career. And it would have been nice to have those. But, have you, so, oh well. Have you been searching for them in the community? Well, the C2S I sold to the actor James Spader. And, yeah. you know... What happened with that car is it was stolen for me once and off-roaded in Mexico. They found it. We rebuilt it better. Someone tried to steal it again in my driveway twice. And then I went, you know, I'm just going to get rid of this. It's not worth the trouble. And then Spader had it. He beat on it for two months, and then it was stolen out of his driveway, and we've never seen it. Oh. So that car, once a year, I had the VIN number, and I'll do a quick search, on, but but nothing has turned up. I would guess that it's gone. It had been parted out, or it's in another country somewhere, and yeah. we're not going to find it. Isn't James Spade also a, a, a Porsche fanatic? Yes. I think I've also... He's also just a fanatic fanatic. <laughs> he's a loose cannon. He's out of his mind. But yeah, he he likes Porsches. He loved that car, and he has told me that if he finds it first, he will not give it back to me. <laughs> it will be his. You'll just have to kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's it. And the reason Mr. Wiedeking sort of had a, had had a, well, I don't did his signature or something like that. Was that because because the close connection to the Porsche guys? Uh, You 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 sort of had through uh, Seinfeld, or, or is that just? Yeah, that was another hookup from Jerry. Jerry he said, "I think I can get you a special paint color if you want one." <laughs> and I was really into dark blue, and uh, I'm sure I had Sam Cabilio helping me with that, and Jerry too with historic colors, and he he arranged it. Okay. So it was like I guess it was a written request that was then approved. Um, with another letter generated that was sent to us that you will allow you to do a paint to sample car. You know, when you listen to to your podcast, some some of the very I think the the episodes with Jerry where you sort of nerd into these Porsche things, and uh, you can sometimes get the feeling that he he would actually be able to call call Porsche and tell them to now you, now you need to make this or this car, and they would probably do it. it, it do you have? I think feeling? they would. <laughs> Well, he's he's uh, he's a historian of the brand. Yes, he's an ambassador in a way. He's yeah. an enthusiast. Yeah, and he's he's got relationships with the designers and the executives. I mean, and 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 he, you know, his collection is unparalleled. And they, I've noticed over the years that Porsche is can be very focused on the new things. Mm but they want to engineer emotion. And the way to do that is to dive into their heritage. Yeah. 
But a lot of times these designers don't have access to those old cars. No. They can't, they can't just check things out of the Porsche museum. So we had Andy Pruninger and then Wallace uh, with us doing an episode. Yeah, I and Jerry yeah. said, if there's something you want to drive, and they were they were driving cars that we had thought for sure they had driven before, you know, and you know, but they hadn't been in five fifties and seventy three nine eleven RSs, and here are the best examples, and they're all maintained. And these guys were driving out and stuff, and you could just see the wheels turning in their head, going wow, and then talking in German. What are they saying? <laughs> I hope they're saying, let's make another one of these, let's make a new five fifty, you know. Yeah. So, you know, that relationship he has with that company is very special. And I think it does inform what happens at that company periodically. Yeah. Yeah. But because I, I have had, you know, in Denmark, we, there's a, there's a, like a CEO of the, of Porsche, the, you know, the import department and her name is Christine. And I've had her as a guest on this podcast. And sometimes I write, if I've heard your podcast and I, Is it maybe three or four months, four months ago? You 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 had some. Uh, you, you you get these uh, infos on cars that are about to come that you that you talk about on the show. And I yes. sometimes I, I send her a message. Uh, have you heard about this car? And no, the, she's never heard about about these things. But but I think that you are very you're very well connected for, for through through. Your yeah, we have we have some listeners I think that are very well connected. Yeah. I mean they called the June 8th announcement. They said first they thought the ST was coming but then they said the hypercar was going to be announced and sure enough it was. Yeah. Right right on the nose. So, you know, I I think they love it. You know, we're helping to promote the brand. We're, we're passionate guys. We love the cars. We're we're excited about i think we have a GT4 RS that's coming any second now that we're super excited about, ooh, and uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. you know, the sound of that car it's is fun. We, we have fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I know. I haven't driven it yet. I've been waiting, <laughs> waiting. Yeah, I just saw a video today. Uh, not far from me, there's there's a you know like a track called Hulandsring, uh, where Porsche did an event, and one of my friends were there, and he sent a video of this. Uh, GT4 RS doing like eight 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 RPMs and that sound you know the induction sound from from just beside the oh, windows yeah I just holy shit yeah are you gonna get yeah, the spider it, yeah. can you call Jerry and say I want that spider <laughs> uh well we've now uh, got a great relationship uh, the show the podcast with Porsche Clearwater in Florida and they're giving us whatever we ask for it seems you oh know so. I don't have to call and bother Jerry anymore. In fact, sometimes we're buying, getting cars for Jerry. I'm helping him now. Whoa. <laughs> But um, I don't know. You know, we don't. Jerry has very deep pockets. <laughs> I think, uh, and Zuckerman and I were working men, so we have to be. We have to move very tactfully, and we, we tend to buy one, yeah. use it, drive it, sell it, get the next one. Yeah. So that car is definitely going to be amazing i don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna slot in for us just yet we have a gt3 rs coming after the gt4 rs and then we'll see what our wives say after that <laughs> exactly <laughs> still still amazing amazing cars but but um i i i just want to go back then to to um you you bought the the 993 and and then you sold it to james spader Is that correct? Is that the only car, yeah. the only Porsche you're, you're having at this time, it, which must be around 90, 
I would guess 95, 96, probably. No, I had, so I, I think at that time I had the Boxster, the C2S, and I had a 73911T yeah. uh, white ivory that with black that came out of uh, Tennessee with uh, 12,000 original miles on it wow. that nobody wanted. Yeah. 12,000 originals, all original <laughs> preservation, all paint. Everything was completely original. <laughs> Nobody wanted it because it was white. <laughs> oh my God. And I believe I bought that car for $12,000. So it was a dollar a mile. Wow. And Jerry passed on it. He said, ah, it's white. Nobody wants white. And, and that car I owned for many years, 15 years or so. I loved that car. I loved it, loved it, loved it. So those were the three kind of Porsches I had. And then I think I drove a Jeep Cherokee or something or a Toyota forerunner for my daily. Um, yeah. and then I had a, a motorcycle too, but, but between the Boxster, the C2S and the old car, you know, that's where things were really starting to kick in for me where I was really starting to get into the brand. And yeah. shortly after, um, and I can't say exactly when, maybe the year 2000 or so, or 2001 after the show ended, yeah, Jerry Jerry called and said, "I'm going to sell my '73 RS Tangerine Black, and I think I'm just going to give it to Barrett Jackson." And I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> what? what? Barrett Jackson? Go to hospital. He goes, "Yeah, I just want to dump. I just got to dump it. Time to get rid of it." And I go, no, 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 "No, you don't get rid of cars like that. You don't. Yeah, it's not it's smoking." I said, "Look, I can't let you do that, and I'm about to buy a Ferrari Dino." I had found a yellow Ferrari Dino with 6,000 original miles through yeah. my friend Sam. Yeah. That was uh, that was $110,000. All original. <laughs> it was just perfect. <laughs> and I said, I can't buy another car in the same day, but if you're going to sell that car, I'm going to buy it right now because I, I can't let you send it to that to Barrett Jackson. And he said, well, I'm sending it. And I go, give me a number. And he gave me a number, and I bought it. And so on the same day, I bought, that 73 RS and I bought that Ferrari Dino. Got those two cars in the same day. That's just. And uh, added those to the much. collection, you know. So, so It was too much to buy in the same day, yeah. But the good news was that the 73 RS needed an engine rebuild. So <laughs> that car was out anyway okay. for a year. Um, but but together they were just, you know, you, you know, we do have a rule that you don't get two cars in the same week. It's, it's too gluttonous and you can't really enjoy it. And you'll have two sets of problems and things you have to fix. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just not the way you should do it. You should get a car, you should experience it, sort it, get it right. And then maybe move on to your next one. But, um, those cars together in the hangar for, you know, I had those cars, I think both for 12 plus years were fantastic. They were just such a joy to own. Um, and the 73 RS was the one that just won out more often than not. The Dino doesn't, doesn't drive as well as a Porsche, but that 73 RS is, and, and that's the car I sold to Zuckerman. Ah, okay. Now I understand. So Jerry bought the car from Sam. Yeah. His guy who finds his car. Jerry sold it to me. Yeah, I, I sold it to Zuckerman when we were just becoming friendly and we were neighbors and he was buying all sorts of crap Corvettes <laughs> and Jaguars. And I said, drive, buy this and drive it. You're going to love it. 
And, and that was the beginning of his Porsche thing. And he still owns that car and we all still get to drive it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a nice one. That's, but, that's but, a nice uh, one. So, 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 so Jerry has, or he had a, an, a 73 RS that had an engine that needed to be rebuilt. Or why, why was he having a, like a car with a bad engine? Is that, isn't it, that- I guess bad is the wrong word. This car was, and I forget who owned it before it had been owned by Sam. And then I guess traded hands with someone else in between, but whoever owned it in between had put in titanium, racing pistons or something. Ah, okay. okay. And when when I brought it in, the guys who took the engine apart said this this motor was set up for racing. Yeah. And it was set up to be used for 500 miles. Mm. He built. I went 500. <laughs> so by the time I got it, it was clanking and there was blue smoke coming out of the exhaust pipe. <laughs> and you know, I said, "Let's you know, I like the performance Let's 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 pop it up to 2.9 liters, but let's make it as stock as possible and let's make it last a hundred thousand miles. Since then, Zuckerman has brought it back down to 2.7 liters and made it exactly as it was when it came out of the factory. Yeah, and it, it's, it's perfect now. It's also increased uh, factor 10 in value since. Yeah, yeah. So you know that car still smells the same. I remember the first time Jerry. I remember the day he got it and it was delivered to the Seinfeld set and he took me for a spin in it and we jammed up on the mm. on-ramp to the 101 and started racing around. He was like, this is amazing, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, I think, I don't know. I like the new cars. I don't know why you like these old ones, but no. you know, it's funny. But, but don't, don't you, don't you think that, you know, that, uh, that the transition from being very, uh, you know, sort of, fascinated by the modern stuff uh, that especially that that Porsche has been putting out since uh, since forever and then slowly you know find for, sort of finding out the 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 information you get from the steering wheels on these early Porsches and and then you know sort of going you know just the transition into into these old cars is I think that that is a very fascinating journey and you you sort of become obsessed and you you go through these <laughs> No, then it has to be 356, uh, 914s. I, I've had a, an old 928 for a long period of time that I, you know, it's mm. just, it's just those cars are just so much. Uh, no, it's like it's like an infection. It just, yeah. Yes, it's it's, it's it's time traveling. We say, yeah, you're traveling back to a time when you know, and you if if you've got the right example and it's preserved the right way, you can bring yourself back to the new car experience in 1973 or 1989, or 1965, or 1958, and how the world was, the sports car world. And, you know, you see why Porsche, I, I always do, especially you drive those late 50s cars. Yeah, Everything else being made is giant and heavy and rectangular and doesn't turn, and then you get in a 356 and you go, there's no yeah. comparison here. Yeah, These guys were revolutionary. But they're still, I mean, i think that they are still extremely uh, good cars to drive. That you know these uh, cars that have uh, around 200 uh, horsepower, your brake horsepower is is it's it's like you have. They are not insanely fast like the like the 918. You you can uh, I, I mean, I've seen Jay Leno say these things, and I'm very I'm very I agree with him. You can sort of work your way through the gears. 
in Denmark, you can actually have your car confiscated if you uh, if you drive uh, too fast. So so it's it's like more exciting to you know go through the gears than just have a like these extremely car- fast cars that that are coming out of Porsche now. I mean they are also fantastic, but I just think you have a it's it's just I just really like that the experience of of you know the yeah it's it's I, we call it a high sensation of speed yeah. So you'll, you'll get in an old car, you can be doing 50 miles an hour, and it will feel like you're doing 110. Exactly. And you'll get the sensation of speed. Yeah. And and it's a nice thing. The, the negative is just here in the city, you've got to be careful you don't crash. Uh, Zuckerman, my co-host, has crashed twice in 356s, and once had to be you know taken out with the jaws of life. You know, they had to cut the car off of him. <laughs> And you know that's that's the only downside is like you you know you might have to limit your exposure in these cars, but um, yeah. we agree. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive tomorrow. I think out in Malibu before we work. Um, Jerry's coming out. Yeah. Um, and you know that's the deal. We'll we'll get in some old cars. We'll get up into the canyons in the sun and and have a day, have a half a day, have a coffee. <laughs> and it, it'll be good. <laughs> Do you drive the same uh, the same route every time, or is it like uh, today? I, I will I will be the leader. Or how do you do it? Yeah, it depends on the time. We have a couple different routes. If, if 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 it's quick, we don't have time. It's just out to Malibu and back for coffee. If we have a little time, or a lot of time, we do Encinal Canyon, okay. which is uh, a little more north yeah. up on the Pacific Coast Highway. And then you take a right up into the canyons, and there are these long, fast, sweeping, open roads, you know, without much traffic at all. Um, you just have to watch out for wildlife and other things. But it's a nice, uh, safe road, not like Angeles Crest, which is, mm. you know, uh, very dangerous. And you can die up there, and there's no phone reception. But we're not racing anyways. We, we just like to cruise. You know, and and get in that rhythm with a car and feel it, and feel the car kind of at its optimum RPM and the humming of the engines and matching cars is fun. You know, yeah. if I take the Zagato, he'll take something. Jerry took, I think, his '58 uh, Smothers Brothers Speedster that's hot rotted in the same way. Yeah. Um, and then you know you're in the same gears going uphill, and you get that sound. They sound amazing together. <laughs> yeah, nice and pair. the windows are open, and you're listening to some music. It's perfect. It's perfect. The Beatles. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's a, uh, but is that that's the same roads as uh, as Magnus Walker is often uh, taking his cars to uh, the the canyons and, and. I think Magnus goes to Angeles Crest. I think he's okay. up in Angeles Crest. Okay, because I've seen him uh, do a lot of videos. Uh, you know, driving. He's also got the the same uh, 2.7 MFI, a, a very rare car with the same engine as your, um, you know, Stockman's, uh, you know. Um, Carrera, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, th- those cars are also extremely, yeah, nice. I've seen a, a couple of videos where he was going up there. So that, but that's another way. Uh, Leno is also using those roads. Is, is it so a, no, each, each everybody uses different roads. Like Magnus is downtown, so he's like the downtown mayor of Porsche, <laughs> yeah. and he'll go from where he is, the Sixth Street Bridge area, up okay. to Angeles Crest. Okay, okay. Which is uh, a, it's more inland in Los Angeles, yeah. and it's it's uh, it's uh, it's closer to downtown than it than Malibu is. Uh, okay. Um, 
Okay. You can, you'll look up Angeles Crest, you'll see where it is. But those are very long, miles and miles of open road. Journalists love those roads because there's nothing there. Okay. You, 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 once you leave the, the urban area, you might see a police officer, but even they look the other way. And Matt Farah's up there. Johnny Lieberman's up there. Bassam. Any of the journal, real journalists are up there testing cars at speed. Okay. And, you know, um, the only... The only problem is, you know, sometimes just <laughs> Porsche fans go up there and start opening it up and they die. You know, they go right off the road and nobody sees them and there's no cell phone. And yeah. so you have to be careful. It's also hard on the cars. Press cars, nobody cares about. But yeah. if it's your car, there's a lot of rocks getting thrown up. Yeah. But there are nice stops. Newcomb's Ranch is up there and there's a little car show for Porsche on Fridays that they go to. Leno does Burbank. Oh. So he's a different part of LA. Okay. Okay. He'll, I didn't know. he'll shoot your car in his hangar with the studio. And then you go out from that hangar, uh, onto some roads that he uses in Burbank. You yeah. essentially drive out of Burbank and back into Burbank. And he always uses those same roads, keeps it nice and close. It's got some turns. You get some speed and you know, that's, that's what he does on his show. You'll notice it's that same road. It's a nice little setup that he has. <laughs> and then funny. we're kind of the Malibu. Can you wear the Malibu group? We're part of a larger group of people that do the same thing, but like to do it on PCH in the Malibu Canyon. Yeah. Okay. But it just speaks to how many driving roads there are here in LA. It's amazing yeah. here. Yes. I know. It's also, yeah, just amazing car culture you have over there, especially also the, the Porsche community is, it, mm -hmm. just, it just sounds amazing. Um, but I still, I still, uh, I still want to see if I can, uh, I can manage to go through uh, a, a few more of your cars because uh, first time I, uh, I, I learned about you and I actually didn't know that it, that it was you. That was when I started to watch these uh, petrolicious, petrolicious, uh, amazing, amazingly produced uh, car videos, and this guy with this uh, red uh, Porsche racer. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> And later on, I found out uh, that's the guy from Spike's car radio who who was the writer on uh, Seinfeld. I didn't, ah, I didn't, know, I didn't know that was you at the time, but I've seen that episode with especially Dick Smothers. I just really like that name. And that that car, when, when do you uh, when do you buy this one? Is that is that after the the RS or? Yes, that car was. I'm trying to remember. I had called Sam. Um, again, this is who Jerry works with, and I've worked with him a bunch too. He's an, he's uh, another historian of the brand and really hooked into the California community of Porsches. He's the guy you call to check everything out. Yeah. He, he can tell you things that you would never even notice in a million years about The underside, the undercarriage of the car, and <laughs> yeah. the thickness of the paint here, and you know he's 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 that expert that we use to really, you know, make sure a car is what it is. And I was in the market for something different. I said, you know, I'd gone through the cars I've gone through on this podcast, and mm. I said I want. I really like street legal race car. I mean, race cars, you know, maybe a race car that I can put a license plate on, but yeah. maybe it's kind of the gray area. I don't know, but I want to have the experience of, um, Oh, you know what it was? I, he had offered me 
You remember that yellow uh, international race of champions, 74, 911 RSR that oh, Jerry yes. owned? The IROC, yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry passed on it, and it was offered to me at a ridiculously n- low number. As to, It was right before race cars took off. Yeah. It, and he's like, I don't know what to do with a race car. And I almost bought it and then oh. didn't. And I should have. Yeah. It was like... I I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think the price was $250,000, which I know is a lot of money. Yeah. But the car sold for $2.3 million <laughs> shortly after. <laughs> okay? So there was money to be made, which is my favorite kind of transaction, right? So I said, hey, I'd like to correct that mistake. Um, and, you know, I, I would like to find a race car. He goes, you know, do you know what the Trans Sam Racing Series is? And I said, I, I know a little bit about it. And he goes, I go, tell me. He goes, well, a, a friend of mine has had this car for years. He's oh. been sitting on it. He was a fan of, of the, the, the Racing Series and, and the Smothers Brothers yeah. and this racer named Fred Baker. And he followed Fred Baker in the Trans Am series. And when the car was done, it went to a used car lot and he went down there and just bought it. He's had it since then. And I said, okay, well, what is the condition in? He goes, it's been sitting in a restorer in the Valley for, for a while. They're working on it slowly. He's just deciding to get out of it. He goes, but of note, the car is featured on this poster, this Porsche poster, yeah. safety first or whatever it is. And, and he sent me the poster and I went, wow, that's the car. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, it doesn't look like that. And he goes, well, he was doing a different livery. I go, I know, but could we do that? <laughs> could we put this number eight on it and make it just like the Porsche poster? But he goes, yeah, it's, it's in its last six months of restoration. You could buy the project and finish it. And that would be, uh, uh, what you do with it. I'm looking up the post right now. So I said, yeah, let's go down and have a look. And I go, what, what part of the world is it in? He goes, it's in the Valley. <laughs> you just have to drive up. It was, it was 10 miles from me. Yeah. And Close. I said, wow. You know, and, and, and the same week I had bought this old series two a Land Rover yeah. um, on eBay, which I was bidding on for fun. Yeah. And I won by mistake. Yeah. And those guys had been up in Oregon and I, and I said, well, uh, I guess I'll have to ship the car down. He goes, no, no, it's already, it's already down closer to you. I go, where is it? It was on the same street as eight ball. <laughs> okay. And so, so in the same, again, in the same week, yeah. I'm going to the same street to look at two random car purchases. <laughs> and I went down and with Sam and I looked at this car and I sat in it and I could feel the lightness and it had a roll cage and I was red wasn't my favorite color, but I went, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah. And we called the owner up and we bought it that day. We bought it that day. Wow. And, um, that's just an amazing car. Thus began this experience of finding then race car sticker guys and doing research on the car and, finding, um, you know, finding the right livery yeah. because race cars have many different liveries. They have big lives. Yeah. They, they, they go through engines. Yeah. <clears throat> and for me, it was really about picking that one livery that made the car famous. And it was that poster. And so we, we got the poster, we get a lot of documentation. We found a lot of history. Mm. We called Dickie Smothers down in uh, Florida. He told us about what he knew about the car and began the, began the process of finishing this thing 
uh, as the spec that it had been raced in. Yeah. And, and that's what we ended up doing. And then we debuted it, I think, at Lufkakult, <laughs> one of their very first ones. We drove it in and said, here it is. Here's what it is. And we talked about it. I put it on Car Matchmaker, this TV show I was doing, and yeah. you know, was able to bring it back to the world, I think, for the first time. And that was really exciting. you know. And I used that car. You know, I, I drove it for four or five years, raced around in it, and did what I always do. You know, Sold it for way more than I bought it. <laughs> You sold it. Yeah, I don't own it. I but I uh, I, I made my money. I made a lot of money on that car. A lot of money. Oh my god. Lots and lots. Someone made me an offer I couldn't refuse, <laughs> and I was on to the next adventure. And people ask us that all the time. They 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 say, you know, how do you sell this stuff? But yeah. no, I but I understand that because I I, I do the same, but just in a completely different scale. So I I understand that process. I, process i just thought that you still had well we we uh aside from the flow of press cars that flow through my driveway between myself and jerry and zuckerman there's a lot of stuff to drive (laughs) and what we've learned and 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 seriously what we've learned is at least zuckerman and i is it's all about new experiences like I, I could have gone in that moment back to a 73 RS because I didn't, I had that car and I was missing it, but I didn't want to do it. I felt like it was going back to high school or something. I wanted yeah. something new. Yeah. And I had the experience of a 1968 9-11 lightweight race car and it was incredible. And, and then I'm moved on to other things. Yeah. You know, I, I think I went to a Ferrari 365. I, I just keep flying through yeah. and i have found that I'm a little happier doing that now that the longer I was holding on to stuff, I started driving it less and losing interest and hoarding it. And I'd rather somebody else have it Yeah. and, uh, and, and get excited for a couple of years driving it. And you know, the money you use for the next one and yeah. you keep going, you well, got to give them all back eventually. Yeah. We are just uh, custodians, right? That's, that's right. The, that's the, you have the car for, for some time, then someone else, has to take care of it but it's it's just yeah yeah i was i was exactly. really fascinated by by that 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 story especially i think you also said that you called up this guy as i don't know why but i just think the the name dick is it's it's always a funny name in denmark i i can't explain it and i i'm i didn't i didn't know about dick's mothers and that that racing pedigree thing or history like you know steve mcqueen and recently i've also been sort of nerd yeah, yeah. the legendary Paul Newman and and his uh, last episode of this podcast I did a little uh, you know research and made a little story about his um, relationship with the with the Porsche 914 and uh, you know he 9, 935 Le Mans uh, and all these things it's just you just have so many of your you know your movie stars your David Letterman Jerry Seinfeld yourself there was so much history that is you know sort of it's just so It's just so fascinating to you know dig into these stories and find out. Okay, I, for example, I didn't know that David Letterman was into to Porsches. Uh, that that was something new for me. Uh, I heard that from you, but he must also have like a a lot of these cars that you just you just never hear about it. Yeah, they pop up eventually. You'll see them. Yeah. But yeah, it it seems like there's a. N- stream of cars and stories. I mean, there's 
there's so much stuff that Zuckerman and Jerry and I are talking about all week long that we just see on Instagram. Like, did you know this existed? Yeah. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. You know, and you know, we're just like everybody else, just looking at beautiful things around the world, just going, Oh my God, look at that. Who knew that was around? Yeah. You know? Um, it, it's, and then just, you know, driving yeah. one car at a time, just enjoying them uh, when we can. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's, it's amazing. And also just, I think your, your podcast is also like, you know, it's a very, it's one of the best ways to get information on this brand, the Porsche, you know, Just the being a, being an ambassador is like like yourself and and Paul and, uh, and Jerry is just so uh, it's it's very um, I don't know it's inspiring but it's a it's also a very good way to you know get the some really nice information. I also think I wrote this to you that when when you two or three are together, you know these uh, it's just so fascinating to hear wh- what is your take on Porsche and this and this car because you have this feeling that you guys really know because you've you've been in this game for a long time you've tried almost everything i mean the 917 is an insane car you cannot you can't really hear podcasts anywhere where where, where one of the guests is sometimes driving his <laughs> 917 it's just yeah that's true that's true <laughs> you can't find that anywhere else so that's, that's it is uh, it is quite a car too I'll tell you that it's insane. Yeah, that's that's the fun thing about knowing Jerry Seinfeld. You can drive <laughs> cars that there are models based on. Yeah. Hey, do you like to drive my 9083? Uh, oh, really? Isn't that that one that they won that race? And yeah, yeah, Le Mans, right? You can drive it. Okay. What happens if I crash it? Oh, don't do that. It's worth twenty million dollars. Okay. You'll have Suckerman suing it, you. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. For sure. For sure, um, you you are keeping track on time. It's it's fifteen minutes past. Just to uh, do I have time for one more. Okay. What is your? I've got one more question. Then I get to keep moving. Yeah, so I, hit me with your best one, and then I'll come back someday and we'll do some more. I, I just I just I'm very curious on your 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 hangers. I I've seen uh, these hangers in. Uh, I just need to know. Where where are they where are they located? Is it the same hangers that that I've a long time ago? Uh, uh, Jerry was in this kind of Porsche uh, commercial. He was driving, I think it's called Porsche and I or something like that. Uh, he was featured and some other guys from <laughs> Germany, and he was driving a 959 out of out of one of these hangers that that looks like the ones you are wow. you have and. Uh, i also assume. Well, we don't like to talk about the locations of our oh, cars. Okay, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll find you. I'll find you. Oh. <laughs> so, okay, but is it? Is it but the yeah, same the hangers, hangers are just they're, they're just garages. They're, we have cars stowed all around LA. LA, you know, it's a little okay. tough to kind of find parking. But what else you got? <laughs> not not much. Um, you wanted to hear about the. You wanted to hear about how we found the 917. Yes. Please, I do. Yes, I do think you that found it for was me. the most interesting moment. Was <laughs> was when that car appeared because we didn't know anything about it. We knew what nine seventeens were. I was in L.A. driving down a road called La Cienega, which is very kind of industrial. Like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, not industrial. Like, crowded city restaurants, lots of really bad, like Red Lobster and medical buildings and. <laughs> 
there was this car dealership right at Wilshire and La Cienega. Um, and in the window, I'm sitting at a red light, just, you know, waiting for the light to change in traffic. I look and here is a 917 Porsche sitting in the used car dealership <laughs> window surrounded by just late model exotics and this Gulf blue and orange 917. Oh my and God. I go, what the hell <laughs> is that doing there? And I stopped pulled over, went inside and I said, can you tell me about that blue car right there? And they said, uh, this is Steve McQueen's uh, camera car that he used when he made the film Le Mans. It's one of the 917s that raced that year. Um, it was his personal car, solar productions, the, the camera mounts are still here. And, and, you know, if you'll recall, the, I think it was the year the Salzburg car won the 917, which I didn't know that much about at the time. I, after he said Steve McQueen, I just, uh, Steve McQueen's 917 is here. I called Jerry up and I go, you're not going to believe what I just saw. He goes, what? He goes, Steve McQueen's 917 is in a used car dealership in the window on La Siena and Wilshire. He goes, what? He goes, that doesn't make sense. I go, I know it doesn't. And, you know, we all know what the value of Steve McQueen is now, <laughs> right? To anything he's owned, like his sunglasses sold for a million dollars. Nobody but a couple of friends of mine and me I think cared about anything Steve McQueen had yeah. in, in, on that year. Right. Yeah. You really had to be a, a, a super informed car guy to even understand Steve McQueen's connection to cars. Exactly. The car community got it, but everybody else outside of it was like, what, what are you talking about? He was an actor, yeah. Thomas crown affair. Yeah. You don't know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> so Jerry goes, well, next time I'm out, we'll look at it. So he, a few weeks later, he was out doing stand up. We drove down there with Sam. They took the car, they put it in the loading dock. It was symbolic motors. And they opened the garage door. We walked in from the sidewalk and there it was under a light in a shitty loading dock. And no, no lie, ours. We were just dumbfounded by its beauty, the flow of the car, the design, the colors, the history. The can we get in it? We can sit. I have pictures from that day. I think if you Google Road and Track, they did a story on it. You'll see these are just little in, like Instamatic camera pictures. I brought my camera. Yeah. And we couldn't. I mean, we spent hours with the car, not even really asking questions, just like a gas, just like this is the car in the movie Le Mans and this movie that we love yeah. that managed to capture the essence of racing. And the coolest guy we know from Hollywood is a car guy. It was his car. <laughs> and, you know, it was. It, I think what people feel like when they see the David or some piece of art in a museum in another country where you're just like, my God, I'm seeing it for real. That's what was happening to us. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, you know, I go, he goes, Jerry said, you really think I should buy this? And I said, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't have, I don't have a million dollars. <laughs> you should, you should buy it for sure. They wanted a million dollars or something Yeah. in a ridiculously small amount. Yeah. Um, Cheap. And Jerry, because he's kind of a humble guy, said, he goes, look, I, 
know, it's such a beautiful thing and with such a rich history. I don't know if I'm the one to own such a thing. If it really belongs, yeah. why should I put it in my, you know, he, he had a lot of problems kind of understanding why someone like him would buy that. I mean, now we look back and go, of course, you're the only guy we want to have it because you're the ultimate custodian of history and yeah. of this company. But he really didn't know how to approach it. It was, it was a lot of money and you know, money is money to everybody, no matter how much you have. Yeah. And, and, and symbolic kind of played it just right. A few weeks later, they, you know, we were, he was on the fence. I don't think he was going to pull the trigger, but they invited us out to Willow Springs and said, we're going to take the, we're going to get the car running the 917 at Willow. And we've got a, we've got a Ferrari five twelve coming. Which also raced that year. Yeah, the BB. And we, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna send them no the race car. I think um, <laughs> what was it uh, that raced in that year at Le Mans? What were those models? Let me see. For, but for, for, yeah, no, it was a five twelve race car, five twelve S. Ah, okay, yeah. So. You go ahead, everybody, if you're listening. Google that car. You know what a 917 looks like. Yeah. Now, we pull into Willow Springs. The cars are already moving around the track at speed <laughs> by themselves, chasing each other. Chad McQueen behind the wheel of the 917. And for the first time, I don't think either of us had been to a, an historic race, had never heard, we see this car at speed, and the sound whip around and come into the straightaway. And we almost died. <laughs> we were just like my, I've never seen something so beautiful. I've never seen or heard these things before these sounds. I just never been to a, a historic race. No. We, we couldn't talk. <laughs> we were so blown. Right. Yeah. And the cars whip around he go, Chad goes down the straightaway. He goes through the first set of turns, and then the front wheel, the nine seventeen, falls off, <laughs> <laughs> and the car goes and crashes right off the road. It was so great. We all raced out there. The front fender had been dinged up a little. I was picking up pieces of the paint, going, "This is valuable paint." Little, cr I, I've got to find those. They're little pieces of Gulf Blue and Gulf Orange. That's not a and good thing, you know. <laughs> It's so crazy. They towed the car back. They put the wheel back on. They they raced it around again. And Jerry said, "I'm buying that car." And I go, "You have to buy that car. You have to buy that car." And uh, you know, he's owned it ever since. And uh, it is such a treat to see that car to drive. I've driven it a couple times. It's amazing. It's such an amazing thing. <laughs> it's, um, it's also and, uh, yeah, very very lucky. It's an amazing picture here. It i just googled uh, the rolling track i think i've read it before but you are the guy sitting in this car looking you're looking like like this uh, yeah dumb this <laughs> three-year-old who just had his his biggest wish uh, uh, sort of come through highlight of my life <laughs> yeah for real? i can i remember saying i could sit in this <laughs> <laughs> i am steve for i didn't i didn't yeah I, I i didn't think that i just couldn't believe that they would let me Fit in something so valuable. <laughs> no, but also because but, um, I mean, it, it. It. I don't know how uh, uh, how Jerry is uh, has configured it, but this is a eight hundred brake horsepower car in some setups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I think, 
It's just... Yeah, there's so much beautiful about the car and you learn so much about it when you get into it and how it feels and what these guys must have been dealing with at Le Mans on the straights at 246 miles an hour. It's, you can't wrap your head around the idea that that car was going that fast in the rain at night, you know? You, you really, you really get a sense of, of what heroes these racers were back then, and the danger they encountered, and yeah. and 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 then how easy the car is to drive. You know, it's wild. It's it, it's a unique thing and a unique experience, and I count myself lucky that I've been able to just been or be around it. You know. But is is Jerry still using the car, or is it is it is? I mean, this it it. Must yeah, sure, sure. On the street, he, he shows it periodically, and about once a year, we all get out to the track. We 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 get stuff out there, and we race around and stuff. <laughs> it's quite a day. <laughs> it's it's just, I don't know what to say. I mean, I I just uh, maybe you know uh, this is not in the same league, but uh, is it four weeks ago? I went uh, to the northern part of Jutland. Uh, Peter Ewerson, uh, you probably know him. He uh, He 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 he's like Carl Lock and and a few of these guys who can still make the four cam engines here in Europe and Peter has maybe restored 55 uh, speedsters over the years. He, he's now restoring a 904 GTS that he's going to debut in, uh, you know, at Nürburgring here in uh, in August. And he's also had some of Jerry's cars offered through that gigantic network he's uh, he's part of. And he just recently sold his. Um, It's 906 to to the road and track guy. No, not road and track. What what's the road? You know, road scholars. Do you know those? Yeah, you probably know those. Them. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, he he. Uh, you know, it's 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 the same thing. But this 906 car, it, it it I know it's not in the same league as the 917. That is something. Comp- but but just being close to these uh, sort of unicorns that you know when you are Porsche fanatic like. Like you are and I am, you just you just can't believe you're you're next to these <laughs> these history cars. He also has a Segato, right. uh, like yourself. He 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 made. Oh wow! So you are you are, yeah, one of. Uh, are there nine Segatos at the moment? Pe- Peter made his own because nine nine coupes and I think nine spiders. Yeah, exactly. So, just just amazing. There you go. Amazing, but that nine seventeen is. Um, If he ever wants to sell, I can find a thousand dollars. You can you can say that for me. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do it, but someday, well, hopefully, he'll just give it to me. Yeah, I think you would be the. You sh- he should actually give it to you because you you found it. So that should be a rule. Yeah, that's, I wish that's how the world worked, but that'd be quite the tax bill. Yeah, thirty million dollar <laughs> gift. <laughs> For my I'd son. probably reject it, but. but but also to just have it uh, maintained, uh, isn't that also like something you really have to? You can't just go to a local mechanic with this kind of stuff. No, no. When you take these cars out to the track, you have to bring a vintage guy with you, and they yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. No, but don't you feel that these vintage guys who know these cars, they are getting very old. They they you know the new guys don't know these cars so well. It's it's maybe. <laughs> they, 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 you can always find someone you can always find someone to do it okay well still amazing I, all right my friend that, thank thank you very much Spike for for being on this podcast it was a 
it was a true pleasure. Um, and I look forward to another many 500 episodes of, of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if we mispronounce anything, <laughs> please don't hesitate to reach out. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, you can always come to uh, Denmark or Germany and uh, learn to say Glufskekult in the right way. You are you are always welcome. Perfect. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take you up on. Thank you All very right. much. All right. Take care, Casper. Have a nice day. All right. Bye, Bye now. Bye.